Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Zero, one, two, three is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hello, Will and Laura. It is your friend and fellow comedian, Angela Barnes here. Um, now, as you know, I've got an obsession with nuclear bunkers, so obviously I'm going to send you underground into a nuclear bunker. Now, there's lots of them I could have chosen, um, but the one I've chosen, for geography reasons as much as anything else, is the amazing Kelverton Hatch secret bunker uh, in Essex. So that's where I'd like you to go, because, I mean, where does Will Duggan belong if not underground in a bunker? I think you're going to love it, both of you. Enjoy! What was the gun thing you had? I don't know. I think just from years of smoking ciggies, but it's gone now, so I don't smoke ciggies anymore. You I are. vape 24 <laughs> hours a day. You're a constant delight. I, I go through so much vape. I've got, got one of these, these little, like, elf bar things, and for, for the last about three days, and I get a good ten hours out of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Will. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the National Treasures Podcast, the podcast where me, Laura Lex. And me, Vapey Will Duggan. Vapey Will Duggan go on days out. Um, this week, Angela Barnes has told us to come to a secret nuclear bunker. We've got here, we've parked up in a sort of car park and immediately seen some high ropes that we really wish we were doing. Yeah, we, we've, we've passed nuclear high ropes and nuclear airsoft and it really reminds me of like everything sort of in Stratford when it's like the Shakespeare Bakery, the Shakespeare Butchery, the Shakespeare Candlestick Makery. Um, yeah, so we're at Kelvedon Hatch. We're, we're just walking down like a sort of hello. quiet little pathway with bluebells and woods. I like that it's not all like, you know, it doesn't feel like the Disneyland version of a secret bunker. It feels like a secret fucking bunker. No, yeah, it feels like you've got to step over the radiated corpse of your loved ones to get in. <laughs> also very funny, of course, um, road sign that just says turn left for secret nuclear bunker yeah it's a good road sign <laughs> come over vladimir <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i have no idea what to expect really i've never been to anywhere like this um it's a bit out of my wheelhouse of things i'm into i know angela loves a bunker i'm actually genuinely really excited to be here because 
think most times that I talk to Angela, which is quite often, I'm friends with Angela, um, the conversation does steer eventually to her love for my complete lack of knowledge of nuclear bunkers. It's really nice that next time I see her, I'm going to be able to like, oh yeah, I went there. That concrete, wow. Yeah. So are we thinking like it was probably built what like seventies for the or like eighties Cold War like sixties isn't it like the, is it when was the Cuban Missile Crisis that was JFK that's sixties that was like fifty sixties wasn't it yeah. yeah okay but um lovely turn of events um the threat of nuclear annihilation also now <laughs> <laughs> well and we know how to get here now it's very easy to find off the M twenty five right we've now reached a little square um there's like a an old like tank vehicle it's sort of like halfway halfway between like a tank and a jeep yeah they've got a canteen there's like missile stuff i feel like i'm on the set of mash oh i, I, I like mash <laughs> i know you do with a pie okay so you'll probably be able to hear in the background um <laughs> mean you're doing the podcast <laughs> yeah, i mean not even in the background, is it? In the very loud foreground, an alarm going off. We've, we've come and they have, I've got a power outage, um, but they're still letting us in and we can look around. Um, it's, and that's the sound of an alarm going off. But man, that's a scary thing to come into a nuclear bunker that's beeping at you. Yeah, huge time. Uh, <laughs> it, it's dark, it's beeping. I just think we're going to leave to have to deal with the spesnats. <laughs> So we're going in, you go down a couple of stairs. The staff are lovely. We've just been talking to a man called James and he's just wonderful. Um, and so we've come down some steps and in front of us is just a long, gloomy corridor. So I've got the, uh, the, the guide here. The house we've just gone into where you come in was actually part of the disguise of it. It was supposed to look like a farmhouse. Oh. So if you were coming through, it would just be a farmhouse. Like, house. how big do you assume this is going to be? Well, this tunnel that we're in now is 120 yards long. So and a yard is like your forearm, isn't three it? Three feet in a yard, <laughs> and, a, and a foot is twelve inches. So a yard's just <laughs> under a meter. Me, I no idea. yeah. We need a trundle wheel. We need some fucking metric in, metric measurements. <laughs> so we're going past a generator room. I love all the signages like that, like weirdly perky fifties looking um, nuclear one. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm so I'm sorry. I'm burbling, but I'm so distracted and disorientated and a little bit creeped out by this. Will is like lighting this tunnel with his torch, and so you're just getting snippets of things. Like on the left, there's is that a floor plan of yeah. where we are? So just interestingly, sorry, while you were talking, that I was reading this thing. It really is like it's not. Do you remember when we did Warwick Castle in series one, mm. and we were like, oh, it's just all been a bit too cleanliness and it's an impression of a medieval castle. Yeah, this castle. is the opposite, Yeah, so it? the tunnel we're going to go down, this 120 foot yard tunnel has got a 90 degree bend in it for no other reason than if there was a nuclear explosion that would stop some of the blast coming down. Like It's all just so real. If you have not heard about the beds on the tape, you are going too fast. So we haven't got the audio. Is, is there anything about the beds on the sheet? I want to know about the beds. No. <laughs> uh, but there's like, they're sort of fold-out cots. Yeah. Have you ever seen like a documentary about um, mountain climbing, those weird little shells they have? It's cold as well, isn't it? It is cold. It's creepy, isn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting as well, because you know like, if you go to say sort of a, um, a ruin, it's quite creepy, you can get everything that's happened there. But these are 
because like these are creepy even though nothing happened here like there was never a nuclear that's a good point it was just prepped for it so there's a notice board on the wall here selection simplified sectional drawing of the r4 bunker at kelvedon hatch oh so you know that pylon that we drove past will it was part of it it's above another part of it yeah, well, I imagine... So this place is going to be massive, because that was like a mile away. Well, I imagine that there is the bits that we're allowed to go to, even though it's not like a military thing anymore, it will have been, you know? So we're just... We're still just walking down this really long corridor... Really cool as well because, like, there's like just you know, the, the, there's a notice board here for the offices, shops, and railway premises act 1963 and first aid for emergencies and the health and safety law. Of those three, the only one modern is health and safety, the other two are very clearly from like the late 50s. Oh, when asked you asked him when yeah, it was built, when 19, was it? 1952. Crikey, man, it's so soon after the second world war, and they were like already building these just in case of another one. Well, I suppose that was the next fear, wasn't it? Yeah. What are these packs on the wall here? Like gas masks? So just on our wall, on the wall to our left, is six like canvas bags, they're, um, satchels. They're Geiger counters. Oh, for measuring radiation. They're just sort of hanging creepily along the wall. Sound carries so well down this corridor. There's two men looking at the generator back up, I assume trying to work on the power situation. And it's just creepy hearing the banging and the chatting. I'll tell you what gets me, stuff like this. I know it sounds really quite morose, but I wouldn't want to survive a nuclear attack. I don't want to rebuild society. <laughs> I've, I've got no skills, Laura. Like, if we're going to get hit by a nuclear bomb, I want it to land on my head. Yeah, like, I'd rather go out quickly. Do you remember at school when they showed us that film, the When the Wind Blows, with the old people? Like, uh, we never watched it at my school. Did you not? It was like the snowman guy, and he'd done like this really harrowing animated film about an old couple trying to survive nuclear winter by making a shelter out of their mattress. Um, I'll tell you who talks about it all the time, comedian Phil Ellis. Um, we're now at the radio room, Laura. Okay. So, by law, all county councils had to have a bunker. That's interesting. Okay. Every county you've been just got a bunker. Um, so from this room, all different bunkers are talking to each other. That's pretty cool. Mm. And there were 120 telephone lines going into the large mast that we drove past earlier okay. at Kelvedon Hatch. And that mast was built to withstand a nuclear bomb. Because it does seem a bit weird that you'd go to all this trouble to have a nuclear bunker hidden and then put a fucking enormous mast. Yeah, but it's the 50s, isn't it? <laughs> So the radio room is like, we've come to the end of the corridor and it dog legs round and then it's behind grating. It just, it looks like the set of Dead of Winter, like Walking Dead kind of thing. There's a map of the world with pins stuck in it on the wall. And like, but especially because the lights aren't on today, it's just so eerie having to look at everything with a the torch. They should have the lights off all the time, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, so this is the dog leg we're talking about where to withstand the blast. And then you get the blast doors. Oh my God, yeah, look at this. Enormous metal door um, with like several different locks on it. Guess how much each door weighs? Uh, three or four stone? 
one and a half tons. What's a ton in metric imperial? A ton. <laughs> a metric ton. Um, <laughs> but also, Laura, check this out. They've been tested twice in the last 10 years to make sure they can still withstand the wind pressure from a nuclear blast. How do you make that much wind? <laughs> but like loads of A you. lot of beans. <laughs> Ew, it's a fart joke. Each of these blast doors weighs about the same as a family car. Ooh, what's behind these shutters here? What's this? In defense of the bunker, in this room you see a selection of weapons and military equipment of the Cold War era that could have been used in defense of the bunker. So when you really peer behind this oh, wall, I guess normally it would be lit up so you just see it, but there's rifles and a bazooka on the wall, and then there's a mannequin dressed as a soldier. Um... Gun. <laughs> Do you know what's really freaking me out down here, Will? And that I've got no clothes on. Well, that, that is alarming. But, um, no, it's just, you know when we came down and there was like a whole family went in before us? No sign of them. Where <laughs> have they gone? Because I swear to God, we've just been in a straight corridor. We've not gone that slowly. Unless they're, like, legging it through this and they have just vanished and now I'm starting to get quite creeped out that this is like a... like a, you, Do you remember, like, Goosebumps books? R.L. Stein. Yeah, yeah and, I you know, actually. like, what if this is us being sold into, like, some kind of feeding a blob monster? Forget plenty of food out of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've just pulled, like, some massive double doors, the sort of thing that look like, like, th- cuckoo's nest-style double doors, you know? And we're now in, like, a staircase room. So, apparently, because we're now sort of in the main uh, bunker, and there are three levels to it, there are two other stairways, like, sort of opposite, and we are about, we're, right, guess what, here? Guess how far under the ground we are? I don't feel like we've gone that far under the ground. Apparently, about 80 to 100 feet below the surface of the bunker. So... Did we come in on a hill then, and we've just gone a little bit down the hill oh. and into the mountain? Yeah, hill? maybe. Um. We're going into the senior te- telecommunications officer room. So, just a bit of thing from the guide here: the walls of where we are are ten foot reinforced concrete, uh, and there's twenty four thousand gallons of water buried underground in tanks, and there's a Faraday cage. I don't know what that is, but it sounds sci-fi. Isn't Faraday cage like it's something to do with electricity, isn't it? Faraday yeah, like, yeah. I, Can we talk about it on a years and years once? I think you did. Also, I feel like that's our catchphrase for this podcast now. Like, didn't we vaguely try? We just tried well, to go through this doorway at the same time, like farcical uh, cartoon characters. As patrons will know <laughs> from the quiz we did, we don't really remember much. <laughs> no, I feel like I've got so many half facts in my brain now. Okay, so we've come through a couple of doors now. Again, like real like medical grade doors. And we're now down some steps and we're into the senior te- telecommunications guy's office. And I just cannot express how creepy this is without the lights on. Like everything's in this grayish blue light. There's a super old computer here. Uh like with one of the big old blasty keyboards and the computer's like three feet deep. The computer and everything that like um, technological around here, obviously it's from the past, like I get it, 
up. It all reminds me of like these telephone things here oh, yeah. remind me of like the 1920s. This computer reminds me of, um, you know, in Superman 3 when Richard Pryor steals all the half pennies. Uh, I've not seen it. But well, it's an absolute classic reference, that. <laughs> uh, that, Whoa, what is in here? Is this all Geiger counters? It's all just stuff for nuclear winter. Jeez. So we're looking through a little hatch in the wall. There's a big, like a serving hatch in a, like, 50s house. And um, and then through the hatch wall is just machinery piled on top of each other, all in that, like, sort of 50s plastic, you know, soft corners on the boxes um, look to it. What's it called, that type of plastic? It's like a, not formica. It's I think like it is formica, isn't it? A style, you know, like the telephones that were made of it. The, um, oh, oh, Bakelite. That's it, Will, well done. Do you know what? This episode stands a chance of being vaguely listenable because the sound down here is so deadened that we might be vaguely all right in the levels. Let's just come here every time. This <laughs> <laughs> room's terrifying. So, oh yeah, so we've gone through a door now and we're into what looks like, do you remember when we were at school, Will, and computers were like becoming a thing so that your school might have three computers and they'd be in the ICT suite, like all... And you'd play Granny's Garden. All around the edges of them. That's what this room feels like. There's like, I guess these ones are for taking Morse code or something. They've got a keyboard and a little monitor and then a, a a reel of paper on the top. Of the day. Yeah, maybe. Do you know what, Laura? I'm genuinely really creeped out here, like, by everything. But I'm having a wonderful time. It, yeah, it's so out of anything I would choose to do. Like, quite often on this, the days out we do are things that I would do anyway. Um, this is something I would never have thought to do or even assumed I would find particularly interesting. Oh, fucking Nora, that's a mannequin. Oh, but- yeah. Okay, so in the corner of the room, there's like a sectioned-off bit of office behind glass walls, and um, they've got a mannequin sitting in there monitoring a computer. She's the supervisor. The scientist's job was to determine where the bomb had exploded, how big it was, whether it was an air or ground burst, and, of course, the wind speed and direction, though, so they could determine the spread of radiation and issue various warnings. Okay. Hmm. Is this the BBC radio room then? No, I th- uh, no is that what we're about to go no, into? No, it's the switchboard. Okay. So going through another door into a switchboard. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so happy you remember the word Bakerlite. That would have driven me nuts. You're welcome. So, like, was... I guess this place was, like, lightly manned, was it? But would there have been people nearby that would have raced down here, or...? I think it would have been manned. It doesn't seem to be like a fallout shelter for survival, more as like to continue the country. So now we're in a room that is 90% computer. There's like a little corridor through it, but most of it is computer bits. Telephone wires. It looks like we've been shrunk and put into a 90s PC. Like there's corridors of wires and bits of stuff plugged into a big frame in the, like... Laura, if you were shrunk, what's the first thing you'd do? What do you mean? How small am I going? Mm, you could live, like, in a computer. I probably so, wouldn't so, get in a computer. Um, you know, you're maybe you're three millimetres big. 
So for you, not much more. Uh, I'd ride Mackie. A three millimetre should be massive. Yeah. My hamster would be too big at three millimetres. Yeah, that's true. Three millimetres is very small. I don't know if I'd be capable of doing anything other than just... Tr- like, think how textured the floor would be if you were only three millimetres. I'll go for a swim. <laughs> uh, what's happened there is Laura has just leant on something that isn't attached. Nothing scary <laughs> happened apart from Laura's thick. <laughs> and you can't deal now at five foot two, let alone... <laughs> There's a thing that says... Run your hand in a downward... Oh, okay. Uh, basically, you, you, t- you turn your hand and numbers No, turn. well, you need to explain what we're looking at and so talking about, baby. You can't just say you run your hand down and numbers happen. People have no idea so what we're, we're looking at. We're looking at a thing that's sort of like full of switches uh, and cables. Like a switchboard. It's a switchboard. It's a switchboard. But there's a thing called the doll's eye effect where if you put your hand at the top and run it down... You know those dolls where you tip them yeah. and they open and shut their eyes? That sort of happens. It's the least creepy thing I've seen thus far. It's the thing I put the most effort into. Poor form. So relieved that we've discovered the family. So now we're going into the BBC radio room. Oh, that's fun. The Prime Minister could have spoken to the nation from here. There's a sign on the door that says, this is the room where Margaret Thatcher, or whoever's the Prime Minister, <laughs> could have <laughs> spoken to the room. The attack warning would have been broadcast from here. And then there's a door, so like, I've done a little bit of radio, and this just genuinely does still look like exactly what it's like now, where Laura, there's... Yeah? Would you like another advert for the Will Duggan voiceover? Because they've got here the... Um, the thing that you would say over the radio. Oh, that's the announcement. the announcement. It's quite long. Are you ready? The polar... Nope, that's not how it starts. Forget it. No no work for me. Yeah, no, don't bother. Let's just go in the BBC room. I'm just going to leave him. Oh, we can't get into the studio room. But I think if I peer through the glass... Will is talking in the background. I'm sorry, I'm just blocking him out. will take two and a quarter minutes to make. You therefore have a further eight and a quarter minutes to comply with the Section Atomic Attack. Are you done? There's more. Please don't. Just summarise it. There's been an attack. What do I do? Go to church if you're religious. Listen to the radio. Do not take well-loved pets, open brackets, including birds, close brackets, (laughs) into your shelter. They will will consume fresh air. Leave the old and bedridden. You can do nothing for them. Um, Turn off your radio, turn off your TV. Oh, God, take down your plasma flasks. Give your children the pills marked one and two and put them into bed. To die, I imagine. It's a bit religious, this, for me. Oh, my God. The captions marked Valley Forge. Oh, my God, that's interesting. So they have these captions. Are you sure this is real? Yeah, yeah. They have these captions marked Valley How, Forge. Why are you sure this is real? I just believe everything I read. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that they'd have said on the radio, it's time to take the pills to die now. But interestingly, these Valley Forge are called the painless death pills and Catholics will have been instructed by their priests about what to do because suicide is a mortal sin. I don't think this is real, Will. I just don't think the government would be on the radio going, all right, guys, take your pills. I think it's American. Dead time. Some of us may die. Remember, statistically, 
it is not likely to be well used. it is if you've taken a pill All called the red death pill dressed. our government buildings the sun is shining death is the least we have to fear we are all in the hands of god whatever happens happens by his will now go quickly to your shelters and then next to that lovely little cartoon where it says quickly your father's on the radio and he's just on the radio um squatting on the radio. radio and there we go nice room big fan i'm really glad we spent all that time reading that sign if you sign up to the patreon you can listen to the version that doesn't have that in it that's better, isn't it? You're a bit nasty. <laughs> right, we're going into uniformed services. No entry, but I don't think that that's no entry for nowadays. I think that's no entry back in the day. Oh, there's a horrible noise. I didn't like that. What do you mean there's a horrible noise? I thought it was someone in here, but it's not like that. We're not. No. Okay, so we've gone into the uniformed services. This room's got a really creaky floor. You can probably hear it. What have we got in here? So there's a big table, which has got black and white photos on it, I think. Photos of the staff dormitory. What is this? It looks like a... Oh, it's like a big... A boy. Cut out of a boy, or if we were American, a buoy. Isn't that mad? They call them buoys. Yeah. American. Stop being thick. <laughs> you really like the word thick at the moment, don't you? So up on the other end of the table, there's like a big silver sphere so on a on a stick. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Is it say under here? No. No. Uh, no. There's no. It's like, it's like a big... If you've seen Ghostbusters 2, uh, the thing they use to get the sample of slime from the river at the beginning, like a big one of those. A river of slime! If you haven't seen Ghostbusters 2, it's like a big silver ball with like no, a, no, no, you know what, a right? big silver handle coming off it, and it is so heavy. If no, I can't lift it at all with one arm. If you haven't seen Ghostbusters 2, go and watch it. It's good. They're listening to this right now. This will be around. So is Ghostbusters 2, mate. Stop asking people to stop listening to the content we're Hi putting guys, out. if you're enjoying the podcast, go and watch a film. <laughs> Just because you've got an attention span that includes being halfway through something you're enjoying and then popping off to do something else. There's lots of maps on this side of the, the wall. So this one, like, breaks down the boroughs of London. When you lived in London, which borough did you live in? Uh, Southwark. I lived... Where's the Old Kent Road? Yeah, I lived... Sort of somewhere around here, I think. Okay. I lived in Waltham Forest. And I lived, actually, um, well, I used to live there on Shirnall Street, and then I lived there on Churchill. Does this have every road on it? No, it can't do. No, that's what I was thinking, because I don't think the road I lived on is there. Lovely stuff. Royal Borough of Kingston on Thames looks like a dick. Well, look at the stick shape. The Royal Brother of Kings Pontemps looks like a really delicious penis. <laughs> Just pissing into Surrey. It's got, like, I guess because the air doesn't move around down here that much, it really does, like, smell like school after the weekend. Yeah, but both my parents were teachers, so I'd have, I'd have to go into the school... Um, like in the holidays, and to do things, I run around the corridors, and it smells just like that. Yeah. So, like, not dirty, but kind of like 
um, it's sort of it's clean against its will. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going upstairs now. Oh God, it's creepy. Okay, so you go upstairs and then to our right is a room we can't go in. Oh, but it's like a sort of dormitory bedroom. Uh, commissioner, it's the commissioner's bedroom. This is an enormous map. A bed on the far side of the wall and some computers. I mean, it's mad that in the 50s you needed two computers. Yeah, now my phone can do more than both of those computers. Is Not down tr- here, I would say. Is that true? I don't like these mannequins everywhere. I get that. I think it's <laughs> creepy, it's fun. So, whose room is this? This is the principal officer's room. Say that again. The Prime Minister's room's here. Ooh, Laura. so they had a bedroom all set up for the Prime Minister in case she came. Or he. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, equality. So the Prime Minister's room actually looks a bit messy. I don't know if this is where I'd welcome the Prime Minister to. Well, if it's messy, it's only because she's messed it up, like she did the bloody economy. Hey, there he is, Topical Duggan. That's what we call him. Another thing about Thatcher. Going to another fire door here, all in the sort of mint pea green colour. It's just like filing cabinets. Oh, but you are allowed to open the filing. Do not open drawers. If opening, only one at a time. Right. So, so is that a no or a yes? I think it's a no. I think it's a no to us. And then we have another office. So we've got computers, phones, printers. Uh, the equipment is slightly more advanced than the stuff downstairs. But I suppose that's going from the 50s to the 80s. Oh, is that what we're doing? Oh, God, alive. What? That, whatever that is. Oh, there's another mannequin. Yeah, the mannequins in this dim light is difficult. Have you ever seen? I'll tell you what it reminds me of, this entire fucking place. Is, um, oh, you're like, getting angry, aren't you? I get scared. I don't like being scared. <laughs> Have you seen the first episode of the reboot of Doctor Who with Chris Eccleston when the mannequins come alive and try and eat Billy oh, Piper? Oh, I think I have, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I would have been... How old was that? When did it reboot? Like, 2001, 2002? Mm, I can't remember. I was 14 or 15. Now, I don't mind telling you this. I've never been good at horror. I don't like being scared. It's not a nice emotion. It's one that your body gives you when you're, when you're going to die. I like to do laughing or feeling warm um, or eating a roast beef. <laughs> <laughs> eating a roast beef. What I don't like is being as scared <laughs> and then to watch something to put that feeling in me. I think it's the sign of a psychopath. And it's happening against my will. And I have will. Okay, so we've just had a little administration break so that Will could do a little wee. And I had to walk around by myself and I fucking hated it. You did. And um, so, and I've just done some reading up on what we've been through. Basically, yeah, I don't think we missed out any facts, Will. There's some dormitories and that was the administration level. And then just as Will weed, all the lights came on. Um, which I actually uh, like because I was getting quite scared. It was creepy. And the lighting actually is a good level. It's not like we're now floodlit and there's no atmosphere at all. We can now just see everything. It's very simply, we no longer need a torch to walk around the abandoned nuclear bunker. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going up again. We're going to the top level. Uh, and we'll, we'll be looking at the sick bay, I think. So I think I've been a bit stupid, because I think a bit of me thought this place was going to be like 
where they'd evacuate people to. Yeah, but I don't think there's really, I mean, I'm willing to be wrong, happy. There's not that many places where you get evacuated to. Just the sheer space. Yeah. But all you need is like, sort of what, say, 60 people here, and then one of these in every county. It's just enough to just continue running the country. People like me and you. We're dead. Yeah, and the majority of you listening, dead. And Arthur, you deserve it. This is the joyous end to the series that we wanted, isn't it? What is happening? William! (laughs) I don't like the mannequins. (laughs) Oh my God. So we just opened the door to the sick bay. I can't do this. I can't do this. They've posed that on purpose to be dickheads. Um, there's a like mannequin all <laughs> bleeding and wrapped up, just lying in a bed opposite the door. <laughs> Absolutely petrifying. Oh, and it smells medical in here. It smells like TCP. Yeah, I'm so glad the lights are back on. It smells for like here. TCP and my poo poo. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the sick bay. There was no living accommodation in the bunker in its first life as a road station. And as we had conscription in those days, all the housing and billets for the people who manned the bunker were at North Weald, which is about six miles away. Batteries were stored here as a backup to the communications equipment. And then in its RGHQ days, it was the sick bay and, and morgue. You'd True. keep... I'd want those separate. I don't care. I want, I, want, I want to go home. Oh, God, the mannequin is horrible. So the mannequin's in bed bleeding. Liz, now I've told you about that bloody Doctor Who thing. It's all I can think about. What would you do if the head on that mannequin just started moving? I'd now? shit myself and die. <laughs> I, I, I'd see it move, and then you, in your panic, wouldn't talk, and you'd hear a thump, and it'd be me hitting the ground, dead, smelling of my own effluent. <laughs> oh, the eyes are open as well. Well, that's good. That means they're still alive. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> There's all sorts of old medical... Right, it's giving me such, um, oh my God, but there's no mannequin in it. Where does that mean the mannequin is? God. Will is genuinely freaking out. I'll go in first and I'll no, check what's happening. Well, I'm going to die. I'd rather know it. You're going to know it. Trust me. I'm, oh, oh my God. Fuck. <gasps> I don't like that one. <laughs> that the one is horrible. <laughs> I don't know who I hate more now. Jen Bristol or Angela Barnes. Like we have started and finished this series. What's that beeping on the floor? Uh, oh, it looks like an iPod shuffle. Do you think sometimes right. they play creepy can, sounds into can here? Can we just sort of get... Oh, so we're, we're going into the male dormitory and there's like surgical... Right, there's gonna, there's another one to your right sitting down. The one in the bed. And the, the doctor... The one that, there's a doctor um, standing up over a surgery bed with a syringe and that's what made me squeal. I was expecting the ones in the bed, I was prepped. The doctor is creepy and looking at me. I mean, this room is horrific, isn't it? You know, there's a film uh, called The Hole in the Ground, made in 1962. It was a public information film about nuclear bunkers. It was made in this bunker. The film would have been shown during the period of tension, too, and even they fucking know it, and have put it in inverted commas, reassure us. <laughs> I want to go home. I've had enough. The, the, the mannequins are freaking well out, but 
other than that, it, I mean, we're not having a bad time. It's just, it's a, a bit coffin, spooky. Actually, there a is a coffin. Or, uh, wood and cardboard. Just to show you the options for when your heart does give out at all of the mannequins. These body tags were found in the bunker oh. and would have been used to identify a casualty, especially if they were going to be moved somewhere else. So, Will, unconscious casualty dead body. Uh, a, a, a dress where found. Uh, right here, bunker. Position in building. Dead. <laughs> Chief. <laughs> Time and date of death. 11th of April, 2022. And it is currently, obviously 11th of April, yep. And 3.23pm, 15.23. Time and date when found. I'll leave him here for a few days. Apparent cause of death or injury, being a Frost. wimpy Frost. woo. And name and address or other and identification. Janet and John, Kettering, can someone text Becca? Oh, so in here is um, lots of dormitory beds. Oh, you can hear the sound just deadens in here. So there's like the rows and rows of the beds. A bit, you know, like every um, American military film you've ever seen where the new recruit lies in the bed. God, crying. sadly, you went for American military film and I went for Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I never did Scouts. Oh my God, Will. Don't do that. <laughs> that was nothing, actually. I was just freaking Will out. I feel like they've got a good sense of humour here. They're definitely trying to shake us up a bit. All right, you ready, Will? We're going to no. open a door and go through it. Who or what will be behind this door? It's probably my, my own parents dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, no, it's just a corridor. Okay, we're just a corridor. Okay, what's on the left in that room there? Uh, right, a typical... Oh, uh, no, that was just a door closing behind uh, me. Okay, we have got jumpy. Um, these are the washrooms. There it's are a bathroom. It's next. just some toilets, basically. You've been to a bathroom. Oh, but what's behind that curtain? Fuck Will? off, no. No, honestly. Honestly, what's behind that curtain? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bucket. Okay, <laughs> 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 so we're having trouble keeping Will. Yeah, so we've got another dormitory through here. We're in the male dormitory now. There's two tier bunks in here because there are not enough beds in the bunk for all the staff to sleep at once. They used the hot bed system, so you didn't have your own bed. You just got in a, an available day, bed, yeah. much like my 20s. Not. <laughs> I shouldn't do a joke there where I was a cat and a bounder. You are a cat and a bounder. I've had text like two and a half people. Half? Yeah, I used to stop halfway quite a lot. Uh, Wait, what do you mean quite a lot? Do you want each one count for like a tenth? <laughs> Well, thank you. I've quite enough of that. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I'm actually done now. See you later. Um, in its first life, the hole in the floor was inside the white line. What hole in the floor? I don't know. Anyway, okay. So, yes, we're in a dormitory. Oh, those grey blankets are so depressing, They're aren't they? Itchy. They are like your bum hole. Not itchy. Coffee shop. Coffee shop. <laughs> it's a coffee shop. <laughs> Will just wants to get back to normality. We're not allowed in the female dormitory. Private function room, not part of the tour. Well, do you reckon you can get married down here and stuff? I fucking like not. Would you do that, Will? Would you get married here? No. No, Laura. I'm going to die here. <laughs> okay, we've got another door. We're going to 303 into the common room. Oh, it's the end. Okay, and we've made it through without dying. Oh, I love this. They've got a wall of um, celebrities that have been here. That's fun. Ryland's bin. John Hanna's dog. Yeah. Uh, Richard Iowadi. 
that Eddie Redmayne? Where? There, the picture of Eddie oh Redmayne. Oh, yeah, that is Eddie Redmayne. Nicholas Lindhurst. Huh. Well, there we go. Should we go and have a, yeah, let's a chat in the car? You don't want a cup of coffee here? There's a gift shop. I want to look at the gift shop. You can buy some rocks, badges. No, thank you. Would you like a, a hat? No. Are you okay? Yes. Would you like some vegetable soup, Will? I'm all right, thank you for vegetable soup. <laughs> okay. So you pay on the way out, and uh, we just went into the sort of little gift shop and cafe and paid it, and it's, it's just an honesty box. You, you just what, put... Are you, are you gonna jip the guy that owns a nuclear bunker? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point, I suppose. Got a leaf like a blast door, like oh. a corrugated iron. That's quite cool. Let's oh, that's cool. So w there's a corrugated tunnel, and then you literally can just see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, and it's all like covered well, over with ivy. Light at the end of the tunnel. You died actually. Did, you were I so did. scared by the doctor mannequin that you are now dead, Will. And as I said, I'm dead. I suddenly got phone signal back, and all the messages for the last two hours <laughs> have come through. <laughs> messages from the afterlife, and now we're back outside into a blazingly sunny blue day. How lovely, Will. Did you enjoy yourself? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I absolutely shit myself on the way around. It was terrifying, but it was fun. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. The mannequin started to freak me out. I'm very glad the lights came on. I think that that medical room might have been a bit much without lighting. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think um, things like that, and I can totally see why Angela really likes them, you know? I was very surprised at what it was. It was a lot more in-depth than I thought it would be. But... I have to say, uh, there were a couple of moments where I thought they were trying to scare me, and they succeeded. <laughs> I think they were, and they did. Okay, well, let's go and talk to Angela. Angela's already warned me that we are going to have to um, put a time limit on the talking to her because of how much she loves bunkers. Eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go and do that. Uh, this is the last episode of the series. We love doing this, and we love that you've been listening. And um, So just before we go and chat to Angela, a quick plea to join our Patreon. If you think you will miss us in the gap between series three and four, then you can get an episode a week of us, uh, uh, years and years, where we delve into history, Laura and Willie style. Also, you get a monthly uh, live stream where we sort of mess around with the format, have fun with you on a Zoom call. A lot of fun, though. I think they're my favourite thing we do. Are they? Yeah, I like them. I like the quiz we did last month. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's go and find Angela. <laughs> chestnut don't we love it <laughs> i had it two days in a row this weekend sorry let's do some work that's oh, right yeah it's nice to catch up with you guys yeah. especially as i'm gonna be stuck in my bloody house for however long now yeah so we're here with angela i mean we'll probably start with that won't we angela's yeah. only gone and got blooming covid you're like, all right though are you i'm i'm all right i've been poorly for about two weeks i've had this other lurgy that's been doing the rounds and i kept testing kept testing 
And then I started to get better from that and went back to gigging. And then this morning I woke up going, oh, I feel rough again. Because I was supposed to have a gig tonight, literally about five minutes before I was due to talk to you guys. I thought I'll just do that lateral flow test before the gig tonight. <laughs> and bang, big, thick red line. So not doing the gig tonight now. So I've got mm. all the time in the world. Um, but yeah, that's why I had to sort of message you and go, could we just hold on for 15 <laughs> minutes? I've got some admin I suddenly need to do. So yeah. anyway, we're here now. We are. Hey, thanks for sending us to the bunker. Um, for two reasons. One, I had a nice time looking at the bunker. Two, I had no idea how much fun I would have watching Will be scared. Was he scared? You no, listen, right. Will no, I, I, I wasn't scared of the bunker itself. I found the bunker fascinating. What I found scared were the mannequins that were definitely d- deliberately placed behind doors to elicit fear. I don't like being scared. Himself. I shat myself. Is the Margaret Thatcher one still there? Oh, God, no. That yeah, she's in the bed. There. Yeah, it is. She's in the bed, though. Uh... Yeah. There's, what I, I sort of love about... So, as you'll probably know, I'm a bit of a bunker nerd, right? So I love nuclear bunkers. And Kelvton Hatch... The main reason I say it's that one is because it's the nearest, really, to get to. Um, there are other examples of... And it's one of the bigger ones. It's one of the regional seats of government ones. So it's quite interesting. Mm. But also, I always say Kelvton Hatch... Cause, so what happened when all these bunkers were decommissioned at the end of the Cold War in the 90s. The MOD basically went, they'd sort of um, compulsory purchased the land in the 50s from these farmers to build the bunkers. And at the end of the Cold War, they just went to these farming families. Yeah, you can have it back now with the bunker. And the family (laughs) at Kelvedon Hatch, a guy called Mike, who they basically went, well, we'll just open it as a museum. But as you'll see from having been there, like English heritage, it ain't. It's just a bit of a bonkers collection of stuff from that era in a bunker. So Brilliant. do you, like, read about bunkers or do you just like visiting them to feel in the, you know, be in them? A bit of both. So my fascination kind of started when I read a book about them uh, called Beneath the City Streets. So I've always had a bit of a Cold War fascination and right. I knew that these places existed. And then I was living in Crystal Palace And I read this book and it turned out that right from where I was sitting, about a 10 minute walk away, there was a bunker that was under, it's in the um, Central Hill Council Estate in in Crystal Palace. So when they built it, I think in the early 60s, maybe, they just whacked a government nuclear bunker under one of the blocks (laughs) of flats. (laughs) And I read this book and I was like, that can't be right. That can't be right. So I just went and had a look. Right. And sure enough, there's just this basement that's all locked up. So uh, this is about 10 years ago now, maybe a bit longer. And I was like, right, I want to get in there. So I phoned the council and just went, is there any access to that? And they said, which is the case with a lot of these bunkers, um, that unfortunately you can't go in because it's full of asbestos. Because my Mm. first thought was, comedy gig in a nuclear bunker? Uh, Yes, please. Um, But the, uh, yeah, so I couldn't get into that one. But then I started reading more and there's, there's about 1,500 bunkers in the UK, government bunkers, um, most of them tiny little Royal Observer Corps bunkers. But I, I have a tendency, like Matt and I, my husband, he's not into bunkers at all. Um, <laughs> and we, we went for this lovely weekend away in, the, I think it was in the Cairngorms or somewhere in Scotland in the middle of nowhere. And my husband is all about nature and he loves hiking and being outside and all of that stuff. So we'd gone on this lovely hike and while we were there, in the middle of nowhere in the Scottish countryside, I just spotted in the distance, like, a ventilation shaft. <laughs> and, I, and I could see what's called the BPI, like, the bomb power indicator out of the ground. I went, there's a bunker over there. And he's like, oh, for 
Christ's sake. <laughs> we can't even just go for a walk in the middle of nowhere without you just stumbling across a nuclear bunker. But um, yeah, I've got my little handbook that tells me where they all are. Most of them are derelict now. A lot of them are locked up or, you know, full of asbestos or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's become a, an obsession, I think it's fair. I always think, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Angela, one of the first proper times we hang out, we hung out, it was like 2016 at the Fringe. And I was oh, yeah. in, a, in a bit of glum mood because my show wasn't going as I'd wanted it to. And you said to me, Will, you've got no idea how unimportant the Fringe is outside of the Fringe. And you told me you'd wanted to do a little mid-Fringe gig at a bunker in Fife, like seven, yep. eight miles away from the Fringe. And when you yep. rung up, the guy was like, what, are you going to get all these comedians to just come up to the middle of nowhere in Fife? And you went, no, it's fine. We're all here at Edinburgh Fringe. He's like, what's that? I've never fucking heard of this. Like, it's really highlighting the bubble of the Fringe. But you know what? That... It was the best thing because I've always remembered that and just gone, do you know what? An hour away, they don't give a shit about what's happening here. Yeah. Because you know what it's like at Edinburgh, you get sucked into that bubble and nothing else matters. And then you realise, oh, uh, just down the road, they don't even know this is happening. Yeah. They don't care. Have you ever <laughs> used like your obsession with bunkers for other like creative things like sitcom scripts and specs and stuff? People must be begging you to write <coughs> some sort of Cold War. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly stuff in the pipeline should we say but you know what the pipeline's like no, it's yeah, never ending yeah. and nothing ever gets made so i wouldn't hold my breath but um... it's 120 yards long dog legs at the bottom to protect you <laughs> <laughs> beautiful um but no what Thanks. i mean one of one of the difficulties i have with that is so because i'm a nerd about it so i'm just gonna let my dog out of the room that i mean i thought she it was your dog yeah she's just Little had matches she can hear that he's gone and go find him silly dog um will that is the first time we've done a recording and a dog has been begging to go out and it wasn't mine being <laughs> oh um what was i banging on about oh yeah so because i'm a nerd about these these things like a lot of people think bunkers oh that's like preppers or whatever and i say mm. no 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 different thing right because like modern bunkers and preppers that's a different thing i'm interested in the cold war and that stuff and what i think would make a really interesting sort of sitcom situation is it's the Royal Observer Corps, which are these volunteers whose job it was, they would meet up, they would train and they took it all very seriously. And their job would have been in the event of a nuclear war in the Cold War period to plot where the blast was and where the fallout was and to send that information back to the HQ. So you would have seen in the bunker, the Royal Observer Corps section and, and things like that. Yeah. And they're a really fascinating group of people. And I've been trying to collect their stories a bit because the Royal Observer Corps was stood down in 1991 or 92. And of course, they're all getting older and eventually they're going to die and their stories will die with them because they're so used to keeping these secrets that they still mm. sort of do a bit. And I think that's a shame. But the problem with making a sitcom about them is that most people don't know about them or what they did. Yeah, OK. And yeah, so okay, it's, yeah, yeah. it would involve a lot of exposition, a lot of, well, who are these people? What are they doing? You know, it's not yeah. like doing... Because I say they're sort of a bit like the, the nuclear war version of the St. John's Ambulance. I mean, in that yeah. a lot of it is a social side of it. A lot of it was just meeting up and doing the training and all of that stuff. Like but a nuclear dad's army. Yeah, exactly. But because people don't know about them in the same way, there's no sort of shorthand for them in a sitcom world. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. But I might, I, you know, I'll, I'll try. But it is a tricky <laughs> one to get off the ground. Well, after this podcast comes out and the appetite for bunkers goes through the fucking roof, that'll yeah. be. So what's your favourite part? 
Like, I don't want to poo-poo it because I did have a nice time. Yeah. But there's nothing. A lot of fun. I, I don't want to go back. <laughs> no, I mean, this is another thing. <laughs> like, I've seen it once. Cool, I'm done. What what would make you go, oh, and I want to go to that one next? Like, what, what do they have that makes you want to go frequently? I think when you sort of nerd on about them to the level that I do, and, and when it ties into the history of the period, um, you know, because the Cold War period obviously was from the end of the Second World War to the start of the 90s. So it's a big chunk of time. Mm. And during that time, there were different governments and different ideas of how to do it. And the threat changed, you know, from when Russia got the hydrogen bombs, when they got the atom bombs. So, you know, it, it was constant change. And so if you're already interested in that history, then the bunker is really linked to that change and that i mean I'm, I'm aware i'm coming across as a massive bore here but Babe, we my, love it that is what this thing podcast that I'm is it's, it's, it's why you're here mate yeah <laughs> but um i i think that so i i'm fascinated with them in context of what was going on so my particular interest is the whole civil defense thing what were the plans the government mm. had because we know well i say we know the government has plans for us <laughs> now but you also go well we thought they had plans for a pandemic but that didn't turn out too well did it so who knows but it, obviously all the stuff that we know now, people didn't know at the time. And I find that really fascinating. And because I'm old enough to remember the tail end of the Cold War, you know, the Berlin Wall came down on my 13th birthday. I remember okay. being scared of the bomb. I remember the Protect and Survive leaflets. I remember when, you know, seeing when the wind blows and all of that stuff. I just find it really fascinating. And, and so the bunkers themselves, I love being in them. I mean, I'm quite... My dad used to call me a claustrophile. I've always liked small spaces. I've always curled into a small space. Mm. You know, I'm I'm someone who likes to be safe and contained. And so I think they, they appeal to that part of my nature. But that's not to say that I want to live in one. Although I did have my head <laughs> doing you, one. But um, If you had to live in one, would you prefer yeah. to have the mannequins there? Or <laughs> oh, yeah, you've got friends, Will, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's so funny. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you when I find out. Um, what well, most people that are involved with Royal Observer Corps that I've spoken to or involved with bunkers that I've spoken to, when you say to them, you know, oh, well, if it all kicks off now, you've got the keys to the bunker, you're right. Pretty much every single one of them says, I don't want to survive in there. It's horrible. Mm. Uh, you know, if, if it all happens, I run towards ground zero because surviving it, if you're near enough that it's going to be horrific, surviving is the last thing you want to do, really. Um, we sort of talked about that a little bit when we were going around because I had a realisation where I just, I think in my head I thought we'd get there and obviously I knew the official stuff would be there but I thought there'd be like a big hall where as many people as could shelter would shelter. Oh no, it wasn't for the likes of us. No, and no, that was no, quite no, no, a big no. like, oh shit yeah. moment. The, the only countries that have public shelter, so I think um, Switzerland is the only country that has enough nuclear shelter for its entire population, including to any tourists that are there at wow. any given time. Most countries don't have any provision for civilians. So the idea of that bunker at Kelvin Hatch isn't for civilians at all. In fact, mm -hmm. if we tried to get in, if you knew it was there and tried to get in, there would be a, somebody with a gun mounted to shoot civilians on it, you know, if they tried to enter. Um, because the idea of those, there's 12 of them, these regional seats of government, the idea was that the minute that we go into what they call transition to war phase, so, you know, when a nuclear war is imminent, the and this is what the situation was in the Cold War, it's not what it is now, we don't know what it is now, but the central government would be um, 
devolved into 12 regions, of which Calvin Hatch was one of the regional bunkers, but there were 12 of them across the country. And a an unelected person was allocated as the commissioner, and that person would be in charge of that region and then rebuilding government and state from within the bunker. So the idea of the bunker is not to you know, harbour survivors and make sure people survive and are well, it is to restart government, restart control, restart society. My God. From, you know, because, you... I mean, when you're sifting through the rubble, you know, trying to find food to survive, it's important that you realise that we've still got a Chancellor of the Exchequer. You know, that's... <laughs> yeah. <coughs> and he's allowed in two or possibly three but bunkers, due which passport he goes on. Bit of satire there, yeah. throw that in. <laughs> I've always, I just, while you were saying that, I just remembered like a, a flashback from my memory that my grandfather, I think it was, told me if there's a nuclear bomb, you have to immediately run the bath with cold water and then get a tea towel wet and wrap it around your head. Um, right. But as I said to Laurie uh, <laughs> at the bunker, if there's going to be a nuclear bomb in an ideal world, it will land on my head. I do not want to survive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got an original copy, it's right in front of me, in fact, an original copy of, of the Protect and Survive leaflet. And there's lots of theories about what that was about. Because nobody believed that, you know, taking off a door from its hinges in your living room and putting it against the wall and lining it with sandbags and getting in it with your entire family was going to save you from a nuclear blast, right? Mm. And there's some theories that actually what you were doing in that situation, and this is a bit of a conspiracy theory, but is that you were just building your own funeral pyre. Because if if one of the biggest problems in a post-nuclear society is dealing with the carnage, right, and dealing with the bodies, frankly, of which there would be millions. Now, if you've all built yourself a little sofa fort in your living room that's gone up with the blast, then you're dealt with. Right. Oh, you know, God. so it's like your individual little funeral pyre that you were building rather than a... That's just one theory. But, you know, <laughs> who knows? I mean, basically, it's very... the. We know more now than we did then as well, obviously, about how fallout works. And also the bombs today are so much more, uh, uh, um, what's the word, so much stronger than the ones they had, you know, during the Cold War that it's all a bit futile, really. That's what a cheery anyway, end have, to the have, fucking have series. <laughs> <laughs> Your Barnsley's turned up with a coronavirus to tell us about how we're all going to die. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I mean, the thing is, right, as as much as, you know, doomsday clocks are closest ever been to midnight and all of that stuff, the bottom line is that nuclear war remains unlikely because of mutual assured destruction and all of that thing. Now, of course, you throw someone like Putin into the mix, there's a little bit more uncertainty and nobody can say it'll never happen. And we've certainly come close in the past and we've come closer than we've ever known, really. Um... You know, and there's been accidents in the past. There was the Abel Archer incident in 1983, Cuban Missile Crisis. People sort of know about that one. In 95, there was a uh, almost Russian Boris Yeltsin. That was post Cold War. Almost launched an attack in retaliation because what was actually a, a weather um, mapping uh, plane sort of got picked up. It was actually mm. no, it was going. That's what it was going to map the Northern Lights or something. Their system picked it up as a missile incoming. So you know. We're much more likely to go because of someone's stupid error than we are, I think, that somebody... Because it's not just a big red button. Yay. Right. Well, We're going to have to stop this um, interview now because it's raining <laughs> and my washing's outside. Oh, quick, get your washing. 
That's the kind um, of end to the series chat that I like there. <laughs> just to bang. like, stop it now. I've got stuff to do. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks oh, for um, coming, Angela. Very quickly, <laughs> Thank you for um, having me. Angela, this episode's yes. going out tomorrow. Is there anything you want to plug after the next 10 days? <laughs> um, yeah, obviously I'm not going to be doing much for 10 days, as it turns out. But uh, do listen to my podcast, um, We Are History, which I do with the lovely John O'Farrell. It's a history podcast, but it's silly and fun and uh, you'll learn things while having a giggle, hopefully. Um, and I'll be doing the Edinburgh Festival. So if you are going up there, uh, come and see my show, please. Thank you Yay. so much. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. And there we have it. The lovely Angela Barnes talking about the fantastic, if not terrifying, Kelvin Hatch in Essex. And that's the end of the series, Laura. It is. We did it, Will. That's two complete series we've done now. And one stopped by... COVID. Yeah, COVID. A, a little COVID ruiner. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful that people are liking this and we feel like we're really starting to find our groove with the podcast now. We've already got Series 4 planned, um, starting to happen, so that will be beginning in July. If you think you'll miss us in the interim, don't forget that for £5 a month, you can still get a weekly podcast from us, even in the between series times. Um, we do a patrons-only podcast that goes out every week on a Thursday, um, and you can join us for that with our little community of other comedy gigglers. The Delicious, that's what they're called. Yeah, and as well as that weekly podcast, you get a monthly live stream where we all get together and tit about for an hour in the evening. Um, there's one, in fact... If you listen early in the day and sign up, you'll be able to join that. And I'll give you a little sneak. I'm going to tell Laura all about Easter. Yes, it's going to be very exciting. Um, so there, there we go. Thank you very much for listening. Let us know if you've listened, um, but you know you can't afford the patron or whatever. That's fine, of course. Um, but, you know, maybe drop us a review or tweet us and tell us that you're enjoying it. Or drop us a message and it's just nice to hear from people who are liking it. Um, it's nicer than the stats of who's downloaded it, quite frankly. So do that. Anyway, we love you. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.